Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. September is here. Many of you are still enjoying your summer vegetable garden. But get ready. The days are getting shorter and they're getting cooler and those plants may start to go into decline. So now's the time to be planning and planting your second garden of 2020, the fall and winter vegetable garden. Our favorite college horticulture professor, retired Debbie Flower, has tips for getting your lettuce, spinach, chard, cabbage, Chinese cabbage, cilantro, broccoli, cauliflower, beets, snow peas, fava beans, (laughs) carrots, celery, onions, garlic, parsnips, shallots, and turnips started if you live in the right zone. We explain the USDA plant hardiness zone maps as well as cold frame basics. For those of you who might own a snow shovel, we learn something new every time on Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, and we'll do it again today in episode 42, Cool Season Garden Basics, and we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. It's always a pleasure to talk with Debbie Flower, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. And Debbie, we're at that time of year where in many parts of the country, people are thinking, well, it's time to put the old summer garden, at least slow it down, if not put it to bed. Maybe take out those plants and put in some cool season fall and winter vegetables. And what's nifty, too, is... Much of the country can be doing this. I mean, in the colder parts of the country, you need a little bit of help, but it can be done, right? It sure can be done. It can be done in parts of the country very simply by taking out the existing crops, uh, revitalizing the soil with some organic matter, maybe an inch or so, and letting that fall down in through your through your garden, and then replanting with plants you buy at the nursery or seeds that you buy. And, or that you have saved from previous years and plant those. In other parts of the country where it gets cold too soon for a crop to be uh, to come to maturity and for you to be able to harvest it, then you need what are called season extenders, which are typically covers, frost fabric or uh, low tunnels over the garden to trap some of the heat uh, that's provided by the sun but dissipates at night. And then you extend your season long enough to have that crop come to maturity. And if you're really nifty, you could have yourself a nice cold frame. And if you have raised beds, that's pretty easy to do. You could just attach uh, some sort of uh, opaque or clear cover uh, to that uh, top of that raised bed. Yes. And be sure to have some ventilation. If you're using a plastic of any sort, be sure to have ventilation. It can get surprisingly warm under that plastic, even on a winter day, especially if you're in a place where it's very snowy and then you get these beautiful, crisp, clear days and you, and light will actually reflect off of the snow as well. It can be incredibly warm under that plastic. So you do need ventilation. You do need control. Well, that brings up a very good question. If you're putting in a cold frame, which way should it point? Typically, it would point uh, south. The sun in the U.S. drops into the southern sky. 
Uh, if you can't do south, then try west. And you want it to slant. A, a classic way to make a cold frame is to make about a 45 degree uh, angle frame that would go across your uh, existing raised bed and the low part of the 45 degrees is down at, at the southern end and then it goes up from there and cover it with um, old windows. There is such a thing as a wax hinge. It's used in greenhouses very commonly and it, it opens when the temperature gets to a certain point and it closes again. So it lifts the windows and it closes again when the... Uh, temperatures drop you may need depending on the weight of those windows you may need more than one wax hinge or the size of the of your raised bed and how much area you have covered but it's worth looking into um i had a cold frame faced in my portland garden and it faced south and i worked full time and i don't know how many times i had to call my wonderful retired neighbor and ask him to go out and open my the the window just a little bit, just enough for airflow, but open the window on my um, cold frame. That, that was before I knew about and had the uh, wherewithal to get myself some of those wax hinges. Now I have one in stock and will use it as needed. And if you want more information about these, uh, and they're basically automatic window openers, but they work with the heat of the sun to open it, you can uh, go to a, any good greenhouse catalog and get more information about it. And I know Charlie's Greenhouse and Garden up in the state of Washington uh, carries all those supplies as well. So you can check that out yes. for more information about uh, these openers that we're talking about. Or you just go out on every day that it's sunny and you uh, prop that uh, window or panel open. Right, right. If you're around to do that and remember it. <laughs> yes. Yes, right. you can do it manually. And then, of course, there is frost cloth, which limits the the light that gets in but once your crop is up and growing it allows it to uh, survive through the cold periods so that is another option and that does not need to be taken off water and uh, air and a little bit of light can, can go through the frost cloth so that's another option to protect your uh, sensitive plants from a cold spell Right. So if you go online looking for these devices we're talking about, they're usually called vent openers. So uh, ah, the wax hinge is called a vent opener. Yep. OK. And uh, do a search for that and that'll help you out. Now, for those of us lucky enough to live in an area where we don't necessarily have to worry about extended uh, freezes, there are plenty of great winter vegetables that can go in the ground this time of year, aren't there? Oh, there's a huge list. Yes. And September, October for um, much of California is the time to be uh, putting those in and, and probably for most of the West. And in fact, actually all around the country, you could be putting all of these in. It's just that uh, the people back east or up north may be harvesting them much sooner than we would be. Right. Well, if you're in the very far north, very coldest parts of the country, you probably can only get one crop out of your garden because your last frost in spring and your first frost and fall are only 60 or 90 days apart. You need, so the way you decide if you can grow something in your garden is, is figuring out how many days you have between now, whenever now is, when you're gonna plant your fall garden, and your estimated first frost in the fall. I've been looking around on references about first frost in the fall, and there are many, many of them online, and they vary a little bit. They usually rely on you knowing your 
USDA, which is U.S. Department of Agriculture, plant hardiness zone. The USDA made this map. I don't know when the first one came out. It's been revised over time. It's only available now on the Internet, as far as I know, because I used to post it when I could get a hard copy. I would post it. A picture of it in the classroom. It's often showed up in the just inside the front cover of a horticulture textbook, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. <laughs> now they just seem to be online. But all of that, the only thing that shows you is the average low temperature uh, in the period of time, and it's usually 10 years, that they have been, uh, the last one I'm looking at was average annual extreme minimum temperature between 1976 and 2005. There is a 2012 version, and I don't know why that one did not come up for me. So they edited the map since 2005, for good reason. So they want you to know what your USDA zone is. And then based on that zone, people predict when your average first frost in the fall would be. And the frost they're talking about is when the temperatures get 28 degrees Fahrenheit or below. It's not 32. 32 is when water freezes, but 28 is when the contents of an actively growing plant cell freeze. That's what we're worried about. And that would have to be an extended 28 degrees or lower. I know for citrus out here in California, that figure holds true, 28 degrees, but it's for periods of four hours or more. Right, but citrus typically is not um, doing a lot of active growth. Something like lettuce might be putting on, uh, you know, brand new leaves, and it's full of water, uh, and and so if if you hit 28 degrees for one hour, that might harm the lettuce. Yeah, Think of the lettuce that gets to the back of the refrigerator, and and then you pull it out, and it's total mush. That's what's happened to it. Mm. It has reached 28 degrees Fahrenheit. So let's talk about the hardiness of various cool season vegetables. I would think the ones most prone to frost or freeze damage would be the fruiting varieties uh, like broccoli or, or cauliflower. And then next up would be the leaf varieties, lettuce and spinach and chard. And probably the most hardy that you could grow just about anywhere uh, for their entire uh, lifespan would be root crops. Root crops are certainly more protected from cold than uh than things that produce what we eat above ground, like the the greens and the um, broccoli, as you mentioned. And that's because they're insulated by the uh, soil that's around them. So it would depend if you're growing in the ground, no raised bed in the ground. That's where it would be most uh, tolerant of cold. Next would be if you have a raised bed and you use field soil in that raised bed and the raised bed has some size to it. A typical raised bed is four feet by eight feet and it depends how much or little you have raised it for its height. Um, after that, the, if you're just growing in containers, wine barrels, very large containers, small containers, the amount, and you're using container soil, which is not field soil, the uh, size of the container is going to be very critical in determining how much insulation that plant will get. The benefit, though, of a container is that you can cover the whole container uh, all the way down to the ground, the container as well as the plant. And so you can get some insulation that way. And if Um, if your children are football players, they can move the container next to the house if it gets really (laughs) cold. Yes, that's true. And that's something to think about. I put many of my containers on rolling bases 
just for that reason, so I can move them around myself. But you, it, it's a little bit of an investment to get a quality rolling base with big enough wheels that can handle the weight of a big mm. wine barrel full of a plant, <laughs> media, and water. So um, it, it's taken me years to collect bases uh, for my container gardens. Yeah, somewhere on a blooper reel, there's video of me installing wheels on a half barrel and then demonstrating rolling it on the wheels and the whole thing collapsed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Cuz the wheels I'm thinking were... <laughs> that's a good idea because those bases and those the the bottoms of those wine barrels are very thick. I you have to drill if you're going to use them for growing, you have to drill drainage holes in them. There are no drainage holes that's... and the wool wood swells up so water cannot exit. And it's quite thick. It took me a long time to, to, to get the drill to go through that wood. I'm surprised it fell apart. <laughs> well, I'm not. The wheels weren't big enough. And uh, we, came to the uh-huh. we came to the conclusion, if you're using half barrels and you want them to be portable, put them on furniture dollies. And ro- oh, and, yes. And roll them around that way. <laughs> Very good. Yes. And you could probably make your own furniture dollies with with wood uh, structure and, and buying the correct size wheels. Bigger wheels are better. Yep. But then, of course, you may also want to break on that wheel depending on what your <laughs> yes, if it's on a hill slope your patio has or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And by the way, getting back to uh, growing things in barrels and those drainage holes, very important. I like to drill four or five uh, three quarter inch or one inch drain holes in the bottom of the uh, barrels. It's amazing the number of people I've come across who think they don't need drain holes because, oh, it, it'll, it'll just either go between the cracks and out or or the wood will uh, evaporate it. Right. That, that I agree. That is, uh, those are some thoughts that I've come across as well. And, and it, it, it's good to know that you have to drill those holes. The other question, though, that people are going to ask you is how do you keep your media from falling out of those big holes? Yeah, they do ask that. <laughs> what is your answer? I like to put down a few sheets of newspaper, not a lot of newspaper, okay. but four or five sheets of newspaper on the bottom. Then put in your media, your soilless mix or whatever uh, potting mix you're using. And then by the time it deteriorates, the uh, soil has managed to, uh, I won't say solidify, but at least be less inclined to clog up those holes. Yes. Right. It sort of knits together. Yes. And you? What would you use? Uh, Same or nothing. Okay. Sometimes I just just pour it in. Some of the media goes out the bottom. I sweep it up and reuse that media someplace else. Uh, But typically once it's it's been filled, planted, and watered, there's very little dropout of the bottom. And if there is some, oh, well. Yep. Uh, It doesn't concern me too much. We're glad to have SmartPots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. SmartPots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And SmartPots clicks all those boxes. They're durable. They're reusable. SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, 
Visit smartpots.com slash Fred. It's SmartPots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next SmartPot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Let's get back to our conversation with college horticulture professor Debbie Flower about starting your cool season garden. If you want to figure out what, when to plant your fall garden for your very location, get to know your USDA climate zone and you can get on the internet and ask that. And there are places that will actually ask you to put in your zip code and they will tell you. And then look at the seed packets for those, the fall crops. And it'll say that you, it matures in X number of days. Peas are 45 days. Radish are very quick. 35 days, they're in and out of the ground from seed. Spinach is 45 days. Then you get up to 60 days with some of the greens like bok choy and Swiss chard and collards. And then from there, it takes longer to get other crops. So if you are that many days out, 45 days for peas, if you have 45 days between now and when you get your first frost on average, then you could have a pea crop between now and then. So buy them and plant them. So it takes a, can take a little bit of math, but there are also lots of references online and a good quality nursery person would know that the answers to when your uh, first frost is, what your USDA zone is, and what crops you likely can grow from seed. But now's the time, August, September, for probably zones six, seven, eight, and nine. Uh, there are crops for you to to, to plant now. The uh, why don't you go through the USDA map and give us a general idea of who's who when it comes to zones? It's kind of a a bowl uh, with the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California, even into Nevada are in the zone 789 region. And that continues down the southern part of the country all the way. So so Texas and Florida even goes higher. There are some places in Florida that get no freeze at all. Uh, And as you go into Texas and uh, Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, uh, uh, into the Carolinas, you're still in that uh, 789. You get up into zone 6, in Virginia, Kentucky, um, across to Arkansas, and up the East Coast in uh, New York and New Jersey, uh, close to the parts that are and in Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut rather, Rhode Island, and parts of Massachusetts that are closest to the um, Atlantic Ocean are Zone Sixes. So those places, uh, it's kind of a line across the country. It's really hard because it's a bowl. So you need to to get a gander at that map. It's at the USDA, just put in plant hardiness zone map, USDA zone map. That would probably bring up the map for you. And you can see looking at that picture what zone you are. It's color coded. So if you're colorblind, and I know people are, and it's none, not your fault, it's just the way it is, um, have somebody else look at it for you or ask a good nursery person. 
I think nurseries are an answer to a lot of questions in this regard. You may not even have to look at maps if you're buying transplants and not seeds. And the time to buy transplants is when they're at your locally owned nursery. Don't be fooled by what you find in the box stores. Go to your Absolutely. local go to your local nursery. They're going to have the plants at the right time for you to be planting whatever your locale is. That's very, very true. They want you to be successful. Your locally owned nursery, independent nursery, wants you to be successful, and they're going to have the plants there when it's a good time to plant them. Uh, Big box stores don't have the same motivation, don't have the same uh, lines of supply, so they often have things, I've been amazed at the things I've seen, that are not for your zone at all, or not for planting at that time in your zone. Yeah, it's uh, when it comes to this, go to your local nursery. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> There's no question about that. One point I'd like to make about planting root crops and helping mm-hmm. insulate them from the cold, we forgot to mention mulch. And put uh-huh. it, putting down in, around your carrots or parsnips or whatever root crops you're growing, potatoes, putting down four inches of a coarse organic mulch can be very beneficial to insulating it and protecting it by another four or five degrees. It will slow down the freeze, but it cannot prevent it. Oh, um, what a spoil sport you are. <laughs> well, I... I I, I was confused by that years ago, and and you know I'm a researcher by by trade. I looked into that. The, the thing that I it came up for me was uh, rose roses in very cold climates. It's recommended that you mulch your roses deeply, but and I I just didn't understand why you're covering the plant completely in mulch. Or the parts that you're covering are the only parts that live. There may be other parts that stick out. One thing it is it is preventing heaving. Heaving is when you have bare soil, no mulch on it, and water gets into it, rain, snow, whatever, and the water and it gets very cold and the water freezes and it turns to ice. And ice is structurally bigger than water. And so it takes up more room and it pushes the soil around. And and that then it melts again, and the soil cra- has now cracked because it's made the ice has made these holes in it. And this process of freezing and thawing can actually cause a plant to c- come right out of the ground, and so that's called heave. And if you mulch the soil instead, it slows down the process of freezing, and it slows down the process of warming up, and it can totally, in some cases, if it's deep enough, prevent heave. The other thing it does for a rose in particular is it keeps it from drying out. Cold air is very, very, very dry air. It's drier than any low humidity day in summertime. And and plant parts can dry out and get crispy just because it's cold. So mulch can help in that regard as well. But we cannot prevent the soil from freezing just by putting mulch on it. That's where you have the indoor garden or you have a greenhouse. And that's the other solution to having a, a, a cool weather garden, if you really want one, is to have a greenhouse. Yes, and I've been in greenhouse in Ohio, a, a, a residential greenhouse in Ohio that was buried um, by about uh, two feet into the soil. So they, when when you left the house, you stepped down some stairs to enter into the greenhouse, and that was to take advantage of that uh, insulation that soil provides. And I also have a friend who has a greenhouse in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, so up in those 
same North Dakota ranges you were talking about. Uh, she doesn't use it all winter long, but she uses it at the two ends of the seasons, the just before and into the beginning of frost and, and at the uh, other end in spring when she starts seeds. So it's doable. A greenhouse definitely, it's up against her house, and that provides some protection, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it does provide some season extenders for her. If you want to know more about greenhouses, check out episode 18 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. We released this back in June, and it has uh, just about, I think it's the whole episode, by the way, that is uh, all about greenhouse basics. So you can check that out. Uh, episode 18, Greenhouse Basics. If we didn't already, let's run through a list of possible cool season crops that we can grow here. And there. And everywhere. And everywhere. Yes. <laughs> you want to do that? You want I, me to do that? Well, okay. Let's talk about leafy greens. Cabbage, spinach, lettuce, chard. I would think that most of the country can grow those. Probably for yes. the colder the colder parts, they would have a crop in now, and it might be over by November. Right. And, and with the lettuce, leaf lettuce... Where we, um, you know, eat eat the leaves are not quite as as stiff as the old iceberg head lettuce uh, that maybe we grew up with as a kid and still love to eat because of, it's so crunchy. The head lettuces they're not all that crunchy, but the head lettuces take ninety days on average to go from seed to mature crop, whereas the leaf lettuces take fifty five on average, and you can start harvesting sooner than that by taking the outermost leaves of that. Uh, leaf lettuce, it, it forms a you know, somewhat of a head, you know, a very relaxed head. And you just start, as soon as they're big enough for you to to be happy with them, you can take the leaves off the outside of the plant. The, the growing point in that leaf lettuce is in the center. As long as you allow that to continue to grow, you'll have leaf lettuce until it's killed by frost. Yeah, that guy keeps keeps saying all gardening is local, and and sure enough, uh, there are crops that we would be talking about planting here in the month or two ahead, such as garlic and onions that might be spring crops someplace else. Yes, and we can put some things in the ground that will go through the winter. Uh, I'm thinking of potatoes, white potatoes, that other people uh, could not. Their soil would freeze, and it would, and the potato. Uh, parts in the ground would turn to mush. And if you just want a real quick crop to grow, something to keep the kids in, uh, entertained, uh, plant radishes. Yes, <laughs> I saw a hint, and they said to use the, the what do they call CD cases? They have a name. The clear CD cases, put some, they're very narrow, you're not going to get a whole radish out of it, but put, a C, put some media in it, Open it up, lay it down on the table, put some media moisture about halfway up the CD case, put a seed in there, close it, and then turn it upright, and you can watch the roots. Children, I'm thinking of especially, can watch the roots grow. It's your own root-growing device. I would advise people to take out the CD insert, the black (laughs) insert that's in there first, so you have more room for soil. Yes. 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 That's a that's a nifty idea. I, I like that. I thought it was cute. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of great winter vegetables, cool season vegetables that just about everybody in the country can be growing. Some of them, some of us can grow them longer than others. But what the heck? Gardening doesn't stop with the onset of of fall. I'm not sure when fall starts anymore. Here it is, August. I was in the grocery store yesterday. They already had the Halloween candy out. 
But, oh, my goodness. But, but I'm thinking it's still summer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you know why the candy's out, don't you? Because people are bored and want to eat it. Yeah, exactly. People are people are stuck at home. People are stressed. People eat candy when they're stressed. Oh, they should eat apples and melons and things like that. Pluots and peaches. There you go. Yes, natural sweetness. Yes. Tell that to the candy aisle. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, once again, as, as summer goes into fall, it's cool season vegetable time wherever you might live. Debbie Flower, we found out a lot today. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you, Fred. I always enjoy talking to your gardeners. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's available just about anywhere podcasts are handed out. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, would you please? Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.